Hello, everyone, and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. In the 19th century, Karl Marx wrote that religion is the opioid of the masses. Basically, this means that religion is used to disconnect disadvantaged people from the here and now and dulling their engagement in progressive politics. And that is what we will be exploring in this week's episode. Um, My guests and I sat down and discussed the relationship between faith, religion, and our economic circumstances. I completely appreciate and understand that religion, faith, spirituality, having a belief system, a belief in a higher power, if you believe in one at all, is something that is deeply personal, which is why my guests and I spoke predominantly from our perspective as Christians, because that is the religion we understand the most and ascribe to. Um, but we talk about, in general, how spiritual vulnerability is sometimes taken advantage of by the existing power structures, by politicians, and how this impacts religious leaders and all of that. We explore quite a lot about this topic. Of course, not everything. And if you'd want to join in for a part two, please just let me know after you listen. But I do hope you can engage and relate to some parts of the episode, if not all of it, and that you do enjoy it. So yeah, please do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kim Yajeka on Twitter. And let's keep the conversation going. And with that, let's get straight into the episode. Okay, so for today's episode, we are discussing faith and religion with my dear friend, one of my oldest friends, Rumbo. Hi, Muti. Hi, Kim. How you I'm doing? super excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, so just like with being with this particular topic i know it's a very sensitive issue and Mm -hmm. i thought like i said you know earlier in the message you'd be the perfect person to discuss this with because i feel like at some point our journeys with our faith and religion and our views really mirrored each other with what we're going through and i feel like it's i can also trust you to have this conversation because Mm -hmm. it's not gonna come off like super preachy or not you know authentic or anything so i'm so excited to have this conversation well i'm honored thank you i know you gave me the 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 disclaimer earlier to say it is a very um it's it's a sensitive topic and i appreciate that you're trusting me to be the person on your platform to kind of speak on it so thank you no worries do you want to introduce yourself for the people before we get in sure so my name is rubimbo um kim called me muti because as one of my oldest friends, she has the legal right to be able to do that. What can I say? I'm Zimbabwean. I live in Canada, Toronto to be specific, and uh, studied political science, got my master's degree in political science. Um, also super interested in podcasting. And um, that's that's about it. I don't know what else to say. And I'm really excited, like I said, to be here. So, yeah. So getting straight into the episode, my very first question Mm -hmm. for you is how have the surrounding economic circumstances impacted your understanding of your faith? So I guess um, for that question, I have to kind of it's funny because I I live two two lives and um, it's always a weird dichotomy, especially when I think about how like my Zim life and then my Canada life. So I think this question is most applicable when like thinking back to like my lived experience in Zim, where um, I think, especially at the time where things started getting a bit hard in Zim. So I'm thinking 2007, 2008, thereabouts, I had switched from my very traditional church. So I don't know if I can name names, but from my very traditional church to a super charismatic church. And I think that charismatic church as many charismatic churches tend to do was very heavily influenced by like the prosperity gospel or what we know as the prosperity gospel now which is all like you know god's gonna bless you with money and like you know if you give sow a seed and then you're gonna be filled with a bank account uh, full of money and you can claim this and claim that and claim this which i think at the time when people are going through hardship I mean, my family included, because I don't think anyone was really, you know, spared by the worldwide economic crisis. 
coupled with the Zim economic crisis. Um, And that's that's kind of like how I started to view faith, like, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to tithe. Yeah, I get like pocket money from my parents, $10, like $2. I'm going to make sure I put in the offering bowl because God's going to bless me and it's going to be overflowing with like money and I'm going to be, it's going to be great. So I think I started to equate like my faith and my reliance on God to kind of pull me out of those economic circumstances Mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. which is not healthy because it's also not what is the bible says it's going to be the fact but i think i definitely started to equate everything in my relationship with god to be well i'm going to be good and i'm going to come to church and i'm going to do this because then you'll bless me and then we'll have money and then i'll be able to like my family will be okay and we'll Mm. be able to you know like that was the, I guess, the thought process that was going on at that time, especially when I was in Zim. Um, having moved out of Zim now, where I guess one could say the country I live in has a bit more of a stable economy, it's a little bit easier for me now to be able to objectively look at economic circumstances and my faith. And so now I can truthfully say at the posi- in the position I'm in now, although it's taken a lot of, you know, I guess, learning God and unlearning things that I was taught by people to think, you know, it equated to God blessing me monetarily or economically. It's now, now I can, I can safely say, I don't think I look at my economic circumstances much to try and equate it to how much I'm going to contribute, like how much my faith is, you know, either yeah. growing or that relationship with my faith. And again, it's taken a lot of learning and unlearning on my part individually because you still can't really escape. But even now in Canada, there's a lot of churches that will be like, oh, give to this project and give to that project and God will richly bless you, you know? And it's like, okay, I don't know if that's really how you should be saying that like you can just ask me to give and like not really be out here like acting as god's broker or bank account and saying he's gonna then give me tenfold or what but it's really taken me understanding that myself as opposed to relying on what other people pastors deacons elders are saying about how giving is equivalent to or my faith walk or whatever is equivalent to my economic circumstances. No, I really like that. Thank you so much for sharing. I think um, for me, I think I had a similar understanding of the transactional aspect of faith. Mm -hmm. Like if you do this, there'll be a specific outcome. And that's how I understood it for a long time. You were doing this and the ultimate outcome, because I was also raised in a very traditional Orthodox Catholic church where you're just like tithing, doing, performing, doing stuff was what would guarantee you the ultimate thing, which is going to heaven. Just Mm -hmm. what you do, not like what's in your heart, not whatever, but it's like, however you're performing, however you're perceived, that's, that's what's important. And I think, um, the way my economic circumstances have impacted my understanding of faith is that there's always, I find, I completely agree with everything you're saying, but I always, I always find like there's a wall with it. Um, there's a point where it's just like, okay, having grown up in Zim and where there's a lot of suffering, it's like, yeah my faith stops, I stop understanding it where I'm just like, okay, I, we're all suffering economically, but I know with all of my privilege, I'm not suffering as much. So how, Mm. how does that balance? And then having, you know, gone and studied and lived overseas for a while in a country that's predominantly, you know, atheist, Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but think that I think it's because these people aren't in as much need or in as much struggle that their faith isn't like as strong. And even Mm. the churches I went to while I was there were predominantly made up of foreigners, people who didn't grow up in those circumstances and saw their arrival in that prosperous country as a blessing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That's why we have come to church, but otherwise a full on in the churches I went to, they were, for example, not a lot of like European people, Western European people, not a lot of Swiss mm-hmm. people, German people, you know, like from more prosperous countries. The church yeah. was made up from foreigners from developing countries and Europeans from the less economically developed parts of Europe. And that mm-hmm. was the makeup. And I found that so interesting how I guess the poorer the country, the stronger faith 
or the stronger hold religion has. And I think Mm -hmm. a big part of it is because of that prosperity gospel. But it's also like where your understanding stops. You're like, okay, well, there needs to be an end to it at some point. And that's where the faith aspect sort of like interjects and kind of, I guess, poisons some of the messages regarding the the religion of everything poisons the message of the overall Mm -hmm. belief system. Um, And I just I I find that so fascinating that, you know, when you are in a prosperous country, you're able to more objectively look at things because a lot of the basic and immediate needs were being met. And Mm -hmm. in some ways, there was less of a need for that prosperity gospel. There's less of a need for that outcome or that transaction because you're like well i'm here now so thanks yeah cool, bye you know what i mean yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah no that's really interesting that you point that out as well because yeah i've seen the same thing even here the church i go to is predominantly made up of immigrants yeah um and immigrants who look like me mm. for the most part as mm-hmm. well so and then you find that a lot of the people who are actually from here whether they started off in the faith or whether it was catholicism or orthodox or whatnot they've slowly as they've grown up kind of gone away from from that like from the faith they've just you know denounced it or rejected it or become atheist or whatever and again you you find that because there isn't that super immediate economic need or like whatever it may be poverty or extreme hardship everyone's kind of like well i mean like what are you gonna bait me with like yeah exactly you know when you when you look at church posters even in zim or in other less developed countries it's always you know like oh miracle money pastor prays for somebody and like this person ends up with ten thousand dollars in their bank account and then like people flock to that place because Mm -hmm. it's like oh maybe he'll pray for me and i'll have ten thousand dollars in my bank account or what have you but how are you gonna convince someone who's already like you know it's like okay okay, there's gotta be the catch there's a catch to that i know that's not how it works so exactly and i i think this segues nicely into our next question um in your view and in your experience where do you think faith and the economy intersect outside of tithing because if you can't bait people with give money so that you can have a good outcome, where do those two things, do you think, do they intersect? I think that's really interesting. And again, looking at it objectively, one might say it doesn't. Because, I mean, if you take away that aspect of people struggling, right, then there's really no, there's no, I guess there's no hook, right? There's there's no hook to say, come to church or tithe or give or whatever it may be so that you can have uh, an ultimately good result at the end. So without without that tithing aspect or without the money or the giving aspect on the part of the church, one could really like not maybe necessarily see the linkages to to those two things. It's like, okay, I don't really understand. Like, it's not like I'm contributing to the economy anyhow by being part of the church or if without that that critical hook, Mm. sometimes I think it actually, you might not see where it it intersects. But in, again, in Zim, like I'm saying, when you, when you kind of see like everything is, is, it hinges on, (laughs) it hinges on that, that Mm -hmm. pivotal come and like miracle money. Okay. This pastor will give you this anointing oil, put it under your bed or like dab it on your ATM Mm -hmm. cards and something great will happen to you. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And that's, that's literally, that's literally it. I I can see like where exactly it starts and ends because in Zim as well, religion is used as like, uh, I think like almost like a control mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a justification for a lot of the oppressive structures that are there because right next to that influential pasta that's telling you about miracle money, that same influential pasta is going to tell you not only if you tithe to this church, will you get miracle money, but if you vote for and tithe to this political party, more miracles will happen because this is an ordained leadership. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know too much about many other religions, but in Christianity, we're really told to just accept, you know, whatever governance is there, like respect that regardless. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in Africa, and I imagine a lot of developing countries, we're told in Zim, we're told that our leadership is ordained, which makes even less sense because when you try to critically engage with that, you're just like, but how, 
you know, even if I was to completely take out any kind of critical thinking, any kind of consciousness, any kind of wokeness and just take it to the bare bones. I'm just like, so my religion, my church is telling me that these people stealing from us, these people harming people, it's all completely ordained and Mm -hmm. we should just, you know, accept it as is. And my pastor also says it too. And that's where these things sort of like, to me, it's like a control thing. And that's how economically our place as a country is justified because this is how our religious leaders have told us, no, this is as it should be. And Mm -hmm. any kind of challenge to that, whether it's through social justice, people having access to certain resources, certain groups of people having rights, like, and I mean this as broadly as possible, any kind of challenge to the status quo is just deemed as unchristian because we are a christian nation and that justifies our really impoverished economic circumstance and makes it even Mm -hmm. more difficult to challenge outside from the academic like just guys point blank this doesn't make any sense doesn't make sense yeah tuck the religion into it it's like okay it's completely it's also not only does it not make sense but if you read this bible or this text in this way it's completely justified too, which I imagine if anyone is questioning it can be confusing if you already don't subscribe to the political regime. I think that that's where the separation comes in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, that's a really good point that you brought up as well, actually. Um, and I hadn't even thought about it that way, but that even you see during election times or whatnot, these political leaders will go into churches Yeah, and take on the whole aura of whatever that church is. I think mostly of like Mapostori and I'm calling them out only because I've seen come and go and like don the the garments and like try to blend in just so that they can get the votes and stuff. And you know what's funny is that actually isn't exclusive only to Zim when I think Mm. about it. I've seen that in other political spaces and arenas in different countries as well, Mm. where political leaders will really try to lean or engage on the church's votes or influence in whatever category of people that they're trying to reach. And that's the way that they amplify themselves or their profiles and to appeal to more voters. And then as soon as the vote is done, it's not like you ever see those people going back to those churches again until the next cycle, four years later, or however often um, elections are happening in that space. And like you said, there's really no, like there's no logical sense to some of these things. Like I understand, like there's some texts that you might look like, look at and be like, oh, I guess it, I don't really get it. Like, is this, is this really condoning that this is what it is mm. or or what and again that plays into how people people are just wicked sometimes and will yeah. misconstrue things for their own ends and will try to take a portion of something unsubstantiated and try to make it apply to a situation and use it as a tool for oppression we've seen it time and time again this being done and i think on, on that note just to piggyback off of what you said i when you point out that it happens in other countries too i also notice it's always to get into the minority or the Mm -hmm. poorer areas they do it through the church in that area because Mm -hmm. even if it is a prosperous country in the places where people aren't as fortunate the church will have a big influence and the politicians will go to that space in order to infiltrate the message into that group of people and that's actually really fascinating because i have Mm -hmm. when you point that out i'm like actually i've seen that before in in other countries even more developed countries so that's a fascinating part to bring up so overall because religion is sometimes used to justify poverty right Um, There is the Bible verse that says that the meek shall inherit the earth and Mm -hmm. many other verses are interpreted in such a way that justify poverty and struggle and that in this life, even if you struggle, you know, when we go to heaven, whatever it is, everything will be fine. Like, yeah, there's better coming. Is that what these verses from your understanding intend to say? Is it a justification for if it's poor, just hold on because you're going to die? And then you're going to go to heaven and it's all going to be worth it in the end. See, no, I don't think so. Because, like, I don't think Jesus died for me to struggle on this earth. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, again, one of those things that I think people say either as a manipulation tactic, either because they also don't understand what that means, or people trying to find answers and trying to 
you know, find comfort in something bigger than themselves, mm. right? Which I can't really fault that one because it's almost like, you know, you're just trying to survive and like, let me just find something that will make it bearable to hold on. And this isn't even for me to say like everybody is meant to be super successful on earth, right? Like, I mean, we are dealt the cards that we're dealt. Sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes there's different circumstances and different, you know, reasonings. And there's just different things you have to look at as to why somebody's life situations and circumstances are the way that they are. What I cannot condone is in a country that is led by foolish people who are putting other people in this position where it's like, like how many times have our parents lost their money over the course of just our like lives over the, mm. the past 20 years? How many times have they had to start from scratch? These are people who are now in their like 50s, 50s yeah. going into 60s and stuff and no pension to speak of, no retirement, fund, like nothing substantial. And that's not of their own doing. It's not like they haven't been working hard for the past 30, 35, 40 years. Mm. It's not like they haven't been diligently saving, trying to you know, put things together. Yet the way our government is set up, they have consistently failed people like our parents, people mm. like us too, because like right now I have to live in a foreign country. I can't even say I enjoy where I'm at because of the circumstances that have brought me here. Mm. Those who are back home, again, it's not like you're building up any sort of retirement fund or putting money away to be able to purchase a house or even just basic things before we even get to the house. You know what I mean? And so I don't think anyone can come and say oh you know what the meek shall in like you know what i mean like there is no way you can apply that bible verse to a situation like that because it just logically it's assuming that there's it's out of the hands of anybody to be able to remedy the situation yet we have politicians who work for us by the way and are supposed to ensure that we are as best like i mean if, if other life situations end up happening all things being equal then cool you can try to see what the other variables are. Cause it's not like there's no poor people in Canada. Of course there is like life is hard all around. It's, I mean, with this inflation too, it's hard, mm -hmm. but I can't say my experience here in Canada can be comparable to the Zim experience, partly because like they have the systems that are supposed to work to ensure that I can at least achieve my maximum potential or something close just don't even exist in Zim. Mm. So that Bible verse, I think, it. I don't think it can be, that's not, I don't think that's the intention, to be completely yeah. honest with you. I don't think it is. And it keeps people, it's also used in the same kind of prosperity gospel-ish type of thing. Oh yeah, you keep giving, it's okay. You now bait people to give, expecting more. When the more isn't coming, it's okay though, because better is coming in heaven. Which it is. Better is coming in heaven, but that does not mean struggle on earth. I think there's nothing about it from my understanding that says that you should give more than you own to the church, for example, mm -hmm. and really struggle because you're tithing or putting all your energy into, I guess, feeding a religious machine at the expense of your own well-being and i think if your own well-being is impacted then your spiritual growth i think would be impacted as well yeah at the expense of your family i don't think it's a justification to be like oh humble yourself so that you know eventually at some point things will get better i 100 percent agree and completely resonate with what you're saying and i think mm -hmm. um as someone who has you know had multiple i can say at different stages in life crises of faith and have that has looked into read and engaged with other you know different religions different forms of spirituality and all of that stuff to kind of come to where i am with my belief system as a christian i've seen the same sort of rhetoric also twisted in different forms of spirituality to justify yeah. suffering yeah. Like and to take away from the need for social justice, to take away from the need for holding people accountable. If you, you know, believe you can conjure up or have positive vibes about everything, that mm -hmm. whole good vibes only is really being like you need to be humble. You need to have good vibes. You need to kind of like look at the bad and find the good vibe. It takes away from being like, OK, but guys, things are bad sometimes, like what you're saying, not of your own doing, but because somebody 
is somewhere influencing something that is Mm -hmm. getting you into this bad situation. And instead of like, just, I understand changing your perspective, blah, 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 all of that good stuff. You can't think your way out of an unjustifiable situation. You can't think your way or just wait like, oh, better is coming later. The situation is impermanent. I found it in so many different ways that it's saying, no, you need to humble yourself and kind of succumb and submit to your circumstances as opposed to, I guess, overall holding someone or something accountable. Mm Because I do think no religion or belief system has been exempt from being used as a tool of oppression to justify some people being very greedy while leaving some people very poor and Mm -hmm. keeping the very poor kind of sedated in their situation you know yeah i don't think there's i can't off the top of my head i may be wrong but it's just twisted in a way you know it's it's so it's so complicated to just to to even work around because then partly part of it is like you know for me even to get to this point where i'm kind of now being able to objectively look at these things i had to come to a point where i was like no 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 first of all my my relationship with my faith is mine yeah and i need to be able to so being a christian i need to be able to understand the scriptures for myself mm-hmm. which i think was something that was um when i was younger when i was still in zim i didn't always do i relied on the person at the pulpit to kind of tell me mm-hmm. And interpret for me what the scriptures were saying so i found that like now even if i sit in church and they're like oh give this money for this this and like we need to do this project and that project and like give to the man of god and whatnot i can objectively look at it if i want to and if i have the money then sure i'll give it for the sake of being like okay i'll give it but i don't think i can ever be baited into oh yeah okay i'm gonna sow the seed now and like by god next week i will have the job of my dreams no i don't I don't lodge, I don't find that, you know, logical to do anymore. Cause it's like, am I using God as a bank machine, as an ATM transactionally yeah. to just be like, here you go, now give me what I want. And so I think like because a lot of the times we're relying on people to to tell us our own faith and our own like what your what the Bible is saying or whatever book it is that um people are engaging in different, I mean, depending on their religion mm. and not really learning for yourself and understanding it for yourself. You're a crippling your own faith because then the relationship isn't between you and God or you and whatever, you know, that religion says is between you and the person who's telling you. It's almost, I imagine if I have a third person here talking to you for me and we're having a, a conversation with somebody in the middle it's so easy for that person to come and misconstrue something that you said to me. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, well, Kim is like this and she wants me to do this. And this is the only way I can gain her approval. This is how she's going to be happy. Whereas if I just came to you and I said, Hey, Kim, by the way, what makes you happy? You know? And also, by the way, Kim, I'm really upset about this thing. Can you please explain to me why you would do something like this? Mm. And then you can explain it yourself. And there's no in between and there's no like, inferences that I'm making based on what somebody else has said in the middle, but I'm just understanding what you said. And so that's what I find that a lot of the the issue as well is because it's so easy. Like there can be prosperity gospel preachers everywhere. Yeah. And that's on them. But then I think also for us, at least those of us who have the access to be able to critically look at the text and study it and know it for ourselves, you can just choose to not engage with that as well and minimize that that I guess impact. Yeah. that they can have. And I understand that's not always possible for everybody. There's yeah. different impediments and, you know, there's a trust process that also goes into this because it's like, okay, you're, we're church. I trust that you should have my best interest at heart. But the sad reality is that it's not always like that. You've answered a little bit of my next question, but like, I guess framing what you've said overall, mm-hmm. um, there's recently a docu-series released about the Hillsong Church. Um, about like exposing that mega church and a lot of it wasn't like new information to Mm -hmm. people Um, to me in the last sort of three four years Hillsong has been painted as this kind of sketchy place and the um, the the docuseries like was like oh yeah yeah tell me tell me more of what I already know you know and if you follow a lot of faith-based content online there are a lot of warnings against 
that church specifically, but also mm-hmm. mega churches like that, that have that weird kind of prosperity gospel that kind of, if you, a lot of the things people say is like what you're saying, if you don't know what you are subscribing to yourself, you're going to be, you know, taken advantage of by mega churches like this, because they're set up in such a way to evoke emotional responses, to almost like coerce you into giving more money than you have to devoting your life to the system not even a belief but to this like really oppressive system but because religion in any system can be used to take advantage of spiritual vulnerability are there any red flags from your experience to look out for to build good discernment i think as a christian predominantly because i think you know that's your experience my experience what i can speak to but i think it's also I guess whoever's listening, I'd be interested if you have a different faith, if there are any specific sort of like red flags from the person you seek spiritual guidance from. What do you think are red flags to look out for, to build like discernment, to be like, this is a fraud and this is the real or this is taking advantage and this Mm -hmm. is the real thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. And um, I'm glad you asked it because I've really been on this kind of quest unknowingly but I just kind of fell into it of being able to kind of see some tricky things that um, a lot of our faith pastors are are doing Um, and I think the number one thing I would say as spiritual as it might sound and this is not my it's not my intention to make it sound like oh super holier than thou but I think if you're a Christian like we are a good step is knowing what the Bible actually says and then that way it's easy to match up what somebody is saying versus what is actually said because it's so easy in this era of like all you need to have is charisma to be able to pull people in and I think that's part of the the big thing that happened with Hillsong as well I never really like I mean I listened to the songs I was super into Hillsong worship but I've never attended a church so I don't know I can't say much about what the church service experience is like (laughs) I guess you can speak to it more, but um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of charisma I find in a lot of like popular churches or mega churches, or, you know, the churches of the day that are trending on Instagram and stuff, which I don't think is a bad thing per se in and of itself to be able to appeal to people in wherever they're at in their different circumstances um, and reach people that way. I don't think it's bad. But I think it, it becomes tricky when charisma and appealing to people becomes your primary focus than just preaching the gospel. Because at the end of the day, as a Christian, that's what we're supposed to be doing. When you look at like, when, when for me now lately, when pastors sound, start to sound more like motivational speakers than pastors, that for me is a red flag. Because you can find a motivational, there's actual motivational speakers. speakers, Yeah. Like that is actually something that people do as a job. So if I needed a motivational speech, I can just as easily, like I don't see, that doesn't even need to be religious based. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be religion based. It can just be a motivational speech that will apply to anyone, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever. It could be a universal principle. So yeah, that's a that's definitely a red flag when you start to sound like yeah. you're out here being a motivational speaker. Also, to be honest with you, and this is a bit radical of me, but I've taken a step away from like those super popular pastors who are out there, like the ones that we all know about. And I'm not gonna na- mention their names because you know I'm not trying to catch a lawsuit. But um, <laughs> I I I I've started to and I used to be in that crowd of like oh I'm listening to this pastor x and like that sermon was really great and I was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute I'm gonna just dial it back Mm. and actually a examine what it is that they're saying um and to see is it and then like read the bible as well so they said something okay cool let me go to scripture read everything in context and see if that one little verse that they've pulled out to substantiate their point actually makes sense in the context of everything else that was said before that verse, after that verse, and in the context of the whole chapter. And sometimes it does not, which is why you have things like the meek shall inherit the earth and being used out of context, because have you read everything else that's before that and after that? And how does it fit together? In line with that same theme as well, like if there's a lot of theatrics, I'm also probably going to respectfully pass because I don't understand like 
first of all, how much money did it take for you to come up with a production budget for that sermon? And then you still want people to give more. And then like, is our primary business just going to be to like come up with a movie set for a sermon? So I find that super tricky and like sketch, like mm. y'all, there's mm. people legit struggling and you're going to build a set for your one week sermon. Mm. Yeah. And then another thing is like appealing. So again, this is now leaning more on my Christian faith, appealing too much to the values of the world. Like, so wanting to be like hip and happening, which is not bad. If that's your personality and you're just hip and happening, cool, cool story, bro, sis. Like, I'm not knocking it, but if you're intentionally going to try and fit, fit in with the culture above gospel and scripture, then that to me is like, where are you going with this? Mm. I'm going to respectfully just like, you know, um, step away a bit. So yeah, um, those are just a few of the lessons that I've been learning in this time where I've been learning to look at like, what are some things? Because even now in my own church with my own pastor, I will not just take anything that they say as like, that's it. Like, I got to know this stuff for myself and be confident in it for myself. Because in my belief system, I cannot go and blame Kim for my shortfallings. Mm. Like, that is, that's never going to work. Like, so whether or not Kim was in the wrong or not, I cannot say Kim is the one that made me do this because I am a free thinking individual who, by all means necessary, should be able to kind of sit back and say, why do I believe what I'm believing? Why am I ascribing to this in the first place? And yeah, Kim might say something that resonates with me, but Kim is also not God. Mm. And that ultimately is, is what matters. So yeah, I would just caution everybody who is kind of in that mega church, church sphere not saying that all mega churches are bad or anything but really like really try to like even without like having spiritual discernment just like common sense looking and thinking through it like is it making sense though i could not agree with everything you're saying anymore i think uh, yeah those are definitely all like really big red flags and i think for me, another big red flag just to add to your list is when you're listening to these sermons and at the beginning, you know, there's a verse that's just chucked out there and the rest of it is talking about how this applies to you and your life. Because I think with our faith as Christians, but like mm-hmm. whatever you believe in. There's the part where it's applicable to your life, but then there's a part where you just need to understand what you believe in for what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So what we have is there's a story, there's a belief system, there's a way things went down that we're saying, this is what it is, right? Whatever belief Mm -hmm. system you have, there's just like a core of it. There's a little bit, like a nugget being like, when I read this book, when I read this text, whatever it is, I am saying, I believe this is what has happened. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an important aspect of teaching that, that that's important for what it is to what yeah. happened to the people in history, the characters, whatever it is in that time. And if the message focuses on how that character applies to your life and that's it, to me, that's a little bit dodge because yes, yep. we want to figure out ways to get through things but sometimes it's just it's not about you like there's a little thing where you're just when you're inserting yourself into everything one thing i found where i had one episode of crisis of faith is i got exhausted thinking about myself so much Mm -hmm. like i'm going through this this is what i've been given this is my circumstances and i need Mm -hmm. to do this and i have everything i need to change my circumstances there is nothing wrong with that thinking but that's not all there is to the story i don't Mm. mean to call out anyone subscribing to anyone's faith but you're not david that's all i have to say David was David. You're not David. That's just, uh, I think any, any, any Christian who's been on the internet for the last five years, like it's not you. Okay. Like, but to me, that was a little bit exhausting and it made me sort of like stop because when it stopped applying directly to my life, that's where my understanding stopped, which Mm. defeats the entire purpose of why you'd have the faith and also when you cannot directly apply something to your circumstances Mm -hmm. that's where it stops as well and then you get into a place of okay but then what's the point of it where we are now is it applicable is it still relevant and it's hard to i guess translate the overall message into where it can transcend like 
what's going on in your everyday life Mm -hmm. to how we are supposed to relate and talk to each other as a society, you know? Um, So, and what you're saying exactly about whoever you're receiving the message from, it's always important to interrogate that person as well, which can get pretty exhausting, but just taking someone's word for it, you know, is a dangerous. And I think that's in anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, recently I saw on TikTok, there was a guy who posted this like fake story because they found Marc Jacobs in a thrift shop. And he's like, oh my gosh, guys, I found like Marc Jacobs in a thrift shop. And someone commented like, oh my gosh, no, that's actually genuine Marc Jacobs because Marc Jacobs, when he was poor, he grew up poor and he just donates authentic stuff to thrift shops so that people have access to luxury things. And someone was like, oh my gosh, that's such an amazing story. And the guy was like, yeah, but I was lying. Like I just made that up. And people are taking it as like fact because it's just like, why wouldn't, someone why do wouldn't that you? why wouldn't mark jacobs do that like i'm not even gonna verify it i saw it on tiktok no, and, it's true you know and you're just taking that like you're mm-hmm. you're you're absorbing it and not really interrogating okay where did this information come from where did you hear yeah. that did mark jacobs himself say that you know and mm-hmm. i think in other you know different spiritual beliefs and religious groups there have been a lot of complaints about like tiktok or social media you know readers or gospel spreaders who make like a 30 second video and they're telling you this is this 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 and this and that is someone taking it and being like yes i receive it whatever if you believe in tarot cards there are people who do those little readings in 30 seconds and you're like yep i received that for the day that's Mm -hmm. the message Mm -hmm. without really saying who's this person where are they getting this information from how is it Uh, you don't know them from a bar of soap and like they don't know you from a bar of soap exactly and i think another thing as well um, and Christians tend to be guilty of it as much as we believe in the Holy Spirit, good spirits. There's also evil working as well. Mm-hmm. And that comes in deceptive ways, too. And just acknowledging yeah. and choosing to be positive and just seeing the light will also leave you vulnerable to mm-hmm. those things intervening and in their deceptive ways yeah. coming into yeah. your life. If you're not interrogating where you're getting these messages from. And I think... Oh, glad you said that. Yeah, wherever, wherever you believe. And I think it's so important to really look at what this person is saying and not, Mm -hmm. I guess, limit your own understanding because it only applies as far as, you know, your life goes, as far as your circumstances are. Yeah. And that can get tiring. It can like to be like, okay, well, now I've gone here. Okay, this was a tricky pasta. This was a tricky thing. But honestly, rather that process of you knowing you're doing your good due diligence and you're not going to expose yourself because that's when you get things like church hurt as well and then like you're being emotionally abused or spiritually abused right because you 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 kind of didn't see those red flags and then you kind of went in good faith thinking that these people had your best interest at heart or like even looking at the hillstone story that's a big theme that i've seen throughout the whole thing where it's like they a lot of the people who experience these things went in good faith. It's Hillsong. Like, come on. Like, what's going to happen? Like, what what do you mean? But that thing that you talked about of, like, there being evil spirits at work as well is so true. And that's why you need to be able to discern what's happening because the devil will come disguised as an angel of light. And that is his whole purpose. Like, that is what he does. Like, that is what his MO, to make you think, like, you know, everything is great. I love it here. Everyone is amazing. It's all positive vibes and good vibes until you're two seconds to like being destroyed. Yeah. And then it's like too late now to to turn back. You don't know how you got where you are. You don't know how to like tell your left from your right because you that that initial part was lacking. Is this are these people really practicing what they're preaching? A, but is what they're preaching even biblical or yeah. whatever other belief system you might hold to that has kind of a benchmark that we know is is what you refer back to Mm. so yeah and I imagine for a lot of other people for myself as well just like looking at it and being like okay I'm not crazy I'm not Mm -hmm. dirty I'm not sinful I'm not whatever it is this was another person who was fully just taking advantage of Mm -hmm. a vulnerability that I think we all have and just being able to accept that point of view as well um, yeah. can get really difficult. But I think that's also a huge part of the discernment aspect is when you are now looking back at it, not to then, I guess, smite yourself or <laughs> yeah. be so horrible to yourself about 
someone else or some evil person taking advantage of a huge mm -hmm. vulnerability. I mean, speaking from experience of, of having kind of been in a super toxic church environment mm -hmm. and kind of looking back at it now, there was a moment where I was really ashamed of the fact yeah. that that was even something that was remotely like happened to me. And then like, you know, didn't really talk about it much. Didn't really like I really tried to suppress that experience and pretend like I didn't happen. But now going forward, though, especially as I've um, kind of started really identifying that not everybody has your best interests at heart and not everybody who stands in front of a pulpit is a good person. And um, is genuinely seeking to honor God at that pulpit, it's become easier for um, for me to be able to aid discern, like we're talking about, to see now where those patterns repeat themselves in other spaces or churches that I encounter or, you know, in choosing whether to listen to a sermon or to take what somebody is saying and try to, you know, see where it applies to my life or what I view. Um, I think it's really important for us not to beat ourselves up for those those moments where, sure, it may have been a lapse of judgment in our part, but also there was someone who was actively there being. There's anything you pick up, there are horrible, horrible people out there claiming mm -hmm. to represent what's good, which isn't great. And I think the last question I have, I will selfishly admit, it's very much for myself. But okay. <laughs> For anyone else who might be experiencing, what practical advice would you give someone struggling with their faith because of their circumstances? I think when you're going through a tough time or experiencing a big loss or just circumstances that like even outside of the economy, outside of being mm -hmm. in Zimbabwe, outside of, you know, struggling and doing a lot of stuff and nothing coming to fruition. There's so many things that will have you questioning but, you know, why me? And then you kind of gaslight yourself into, okay, but you need to have faith. You need to do this and you need to do that. And then you go back mm. to, but this is really hard, especially if you're, you know, in a position of like privilege or you have access to stuff. You're like, okay, but I should be grateful. And all of yeah. that gratefulness, there's so much that could be going on as well that will make you even question once you go into that cycle of I should be grateful but I shouldn't, I should be grateful, but I'm sad, but I shouldn't be sad because my faith says this, but do I even believe in my faith? Also, that story is kind of wild. Is this even practical? Like you just mm -hmm. go through this whole spiral before you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah. What <laughs> practical advice would you give? Yeah, I think there's a, I don't even know if I have practical advice because mm -hmm. I too sometimes have these, these crises, but I think I can speak to maybe two groups of people. Yeah. So there's those people who have, um, a firmly established basis for their faith mm. and maybe are just going through, which I, I think I'm inclined to believe maybe this is more specifically talking to you who like you, you've got a solid grasp on your faith. You've kind of been doing this for a while and you've gone through several iterations and you've kind of gotten to that place where you're like, okay, this is what I believe. I'm confident. This is what I believe. Mm -hmm. um, just that life can be lifing sometimes and <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. So to someone maybe like you or like me, when I go through those kind of situations, which um, I went through a similar situation last year after I experienced a loss in my family. And I was kind of like, because I'd be praying, had all the faith. Yeah, sure. Everything is going to be great. He's going to be great. And then like my family member died and I was like, OK, like God, like what is this about? And I was pissed. Like I was pissed. Mm. I could, yo. Know, I can't even explain to you how I, I sat there and I was like, no, like, are you serious right now? Like, is this like, are you kidding me? And so I went through that cycle. But um, something someone said to me, or honestly, it may have been the Holy Spirit who was kind of like, OK, you know what? Let's let's talk about this. Let me let me talk to you about this and let's have this discussion which was wild because I've always heard people say, oh, and then the Holy Spirit said to me, and then like we had this discussion. I was like, how are y'all just conversing with the Holy Spirit? Like, how is that happening? Mm -hmm. But it happened in the weirdest way where I, I sat down and I was able to somewhat understand, although not fully. And I was, I'm still like, yo, you didn't really have to do me like that. Like, that's not, we didn't have to do all of this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if I'm believing that what I hold true is true, 
knowing it in my heart, then cool. Let's talk about it then. Let me hear what you have to say about it. Why, why did this happen? So there's that route for those people who kind of know how to tap into that part of themselves and be like, all right, everything sucks. God, I'm really trying my best to hang on and to understand what's happening and why this is all happening to me. Give me some answers because mm-hmm. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And honestly, truthfully, I believe he does answer. I, I do believe that he does answer us when we in whatever state it is, whether you're angry, whether you're sad, frustrated, and just really like seeking to understand what on earth is going on here. Mm-hmm. And then to the other camp of people who this, everything I just said is like, y'all girl, you're tripping. And I don't know about talking to no spirits where it's like, okay, so why, first of all, why is this your belief system? Mm-hmm. Why is this what you believe? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's go back to basics and actually just try to analyze why is this something that I believe? Is it because my parents believe this and by default, this is kind of what I believe? Because then that's not your faith. That's your parents' faith. If you believe it and you're just having a difficult time trying to like, like struggling to, you know, reconcile your circumstances and like what your faith says is true Mm -hmm. then again like what are the foundational elements of your faith is did you like the stories that you read about when you're reading whatever the religious book is and was it just solely like a story like oh these are great stories i like to hear and so i'm ascribing to this or is there something deeper like anchoring you into it in which case tap into that deeper thing and then like start from the ground up to find out like is this even what i should be doing because Faith is something that is like deeply personal and a relational thing as well, especially for Christianity, where that relationship has to exist and it can't exist through anyone else other than yourself and God Mm. in Christianity. So the same way that you would question, like I'm struggling in my relationship with my partner or with my friendship. And then you kind of have to go back and say, okay, why am I friends with that person? Mm. What, What are the foundational aspects of, how we got to be where we are and then go back to square one okay i'm friends with kim because she really cares about me i'm friends with kim because she's always shown herself to be consistent in every other circumstance so even though right now it seems like there's something off when i look back at our history she has never not been consistent when i looked at her and decided to be friends these are the characteristics that i saw in her that led us to be able to be friends and now we've been friends for this long so if there's any hiccup that's happening in our relationship right now, why is that? And I think viewing it from that perspective where it's it's a relationship, it might be better to kind of dissect and say, okay, so I feel like God has let me down in these ways right now. Okay, going back to previous experiences, it I felt like he had let me down three years ago, but then I see how that situation kind of turned around or how things progressed or things happened to me being here now and I can only attribute it to him having helped me or brought me through that situation or however it's played out so mm-hmm. yeah I would say maybe just go back to the foundational elements and I know I've said a lot and I think I was low-key trying to help myself as well too <laughs> you know <laughs> like trying to have something in my back pocket for when yeah. those moments come but mm-hmm. yeah and also don't condemn yourself to to ever is, is struggling like it's not I don't think it's it's counterproductive to then feel bad to be like oh now i feel terrible for like struggling in my faith like the struggles will come the struggles will come and the bible says the struggles will come so don't that that actually is not the surprise at all mm-hmm. but i think it's the enduring and building the endurance to know that sometimes yes struggles do come we're all going through life the richest of rich peoples are going through life the poorest of the poorest people are going through life it's just something that we go through and we can't escape unscathed but it's yeah. it's okay to go through those struggles it's 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 fine that was really beautiful like i'm a little bit emotional there i think also one thing that just to add to what you said that has helped me and a little advice to i guess myself but anyone else who's having a crisis with whatever you know is triggering it like circumstances or things that have happened I think one thing that's become more and more apparent to me is just I see a lot of 
the, I guess, fruits of faith through people, just mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with people who have a similar grounding or have a rooted belief system. And because I think sometimes there's this crazy part about believing in something, right? There's a, yeah. a part where it's like, this makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need advice or counsel from people who have accepted that this makes no sense, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And just surrounding yourself in, I guess, fellowship with people in that realm, you know, friends I have like you, Rumbo, and who I can be like, okay, so let's jump on a podcast and talk about this. Yeah. Um, but I think it's that's so important because if there's anything uh, for me, just sharing a bit of my personal journey, if there's anything that has kept me rooted in my faith is some of the people I've met, whether they are long-term friends, short-term friends, people who've shown me extreme generosity that it didn't make any sense that these people or this person was that generous or that kind or that thoughtful or even just some of the things I've experienced in my life, even if like my circumstances can be tough, there are literally Mm -hmm. miraculous things that have happened that are not people being risen from the dead in my church, but (laughs) there are things where you're just like, now there's no way. I, yeah. There's no way I can explain it, but mostly through people being so kind, so open, so helpful, honest to me personally, where I'm just mm-hmm. like, all right, it, 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 for me personally, it just comes down to this has to be coming from my faith. It has to be coming yeah. from a prayer or something else. That's the way I see it. That's the way it makes sense. That's how I believe it is. And mm-hmm. I think isolating yourself and just removing yourself from people or like-minded people is also a very dangerous place to be in and not a good place, especially when you're in crisis. So, but I think whatever belief system you have, um, if you need to understand things at that deeper, you know, less tangible level where you're like, okay, guys, this is going to sound super crazy, but I know, right? Moving from there, I think that's what's really important. And it's what's helped me continues to help me and makes it feel like whatever is going on is not permanent my friend thank you so much for joining well thank you for having me again this was a really 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 great discussion and i'm honored to be on in this economy podcast any last words for the people anything you want to plug um last words for the people i think in light of what we're talking about in today's podcast with religion spirituality and being a christian specifically i think i'll say like well first of all if anyone ever has any questions i don't know everything but feel free to like hit me up and like we can have a a discussion because what kim said towards that end there of like don't isolate yourself and kind of go through these things by yourself and you start to to get to a like dark place where it's hard to see the light Mm -hmm. it's not good So if anyone ever wants to have a discussion or a conversation or whatever it may be, wants to know like what tricky pastas to avoid or if something is like not quite aligning, I promise to do my best to be of service. Uh, Again, I don't know everything. I don't know most things, but um, the little I do know, I'm always happy to share. So yeah, um, available for that. plug i have a podcast as well which will be making an appearance after i finish getting married um (laughs) but uh (laughs) yeah my podcast radio rue is actually kind of pivoted to talking more about like christianity and um spiritual matters now so i'm looking forward to kind of being able to get into some of those harder questions and kind of figuring it out like together um we can all be on this journey to like learn more and um just um yeah be be better stewards of what we have and you know understanding the faith better so if anyone is down you can follow that podcast on spotify apple everywhere there's podcasts it's there and there's already a couple of episodes on the faith kind of uh topics so yeah I love it. And do also listen to Radio Roo. It's such a great, great podcast. Like, I, I enjoyed it and I, I miss it low key, but you know, <laughs> so excited for you to finish getting married so you can get to what's important. 
creating content. I'm yes, because that's it. We're here for content, but also just to like side note, if you also, I also have that list of tricky, tricky pastas that just, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'll ha- I'll happily share that as well. Maybe not on the platform, but if you want to come into the DMs, I'll be like, listen, bro, <laughs> listen, <laughs> but thank you so much, Woody. I appreciate it, Kim. Thank you. Of course, of course. And that is the episode. A huge thank you and shout out once again to my amazing guest, Rumbo. Thank you for joining us on this platform um, and for taking the time to share your experiences. And of course, congratulations, my friend, who has since been married since the recording of this episode. So congratulations once again. And I am so, so, so happy for you. And of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning in. This is one conversation I'd like to keep going. Um, My understanding of this topic, because of my experiences, is rather limited. And I would love to know how the economic circumstances have impacted your understanding of your faith or system of belief or whatever you ascribe to. I would really like to know and engage with this topic a little bit further. So, yeah. Please, once again, do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kim Yajeka on Twitter. And I will catch you next week. I think we have about two episodes left in this season before we take another little break. But yeah, I will catch you next week. <laughs>